This is Rabbi Ariel Rakowski, Assistant Rabbi at the Jewish Center on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. The topic is Pots, Prophets, and Pastoral Care, based on the Haftarah for this week's Parsha, Parsha Sayera. A study of Elisha's remarkable prophetic career, as recounted in part in this week's Haftarah, yields a striking inconsistency. In the first episode, Malachim Bey's Parak Dalid, Sukim Aleph to Zion. A widow of one of the prophets called Elisha, who thought highly of her husband, and asked his help in saving her children from being taken into slavery by creditors. Elisha dealt with her request publicly, instructing her to borrow vessels from all her neighbors and pour oil in them. The oil stopped when all the vessels were filled, allowing her to retire her debt with the proceeds from their sale and to feed her family with the remaining funds. Why did Elisha solve her problem through public miracle when there were non-miraculous and private ways to do so? This question is buttressed by examining the second incident in the Haftara. Grateful for the hospitality shown him by a childless Shunammite couple, Elisha blessed them that they would bear a child. This, by the way, is one of the reasons that this is chosen as the Haftara for this week's Parsha. Elisha's blessing came true, but shortly after the child's birth, he took ill and died. Elisha learned of this only after the Shunammite woman revealed it reluctantly, and he sent his assistant, Gehazi, to revive the child. His efforts failed, so Elisha sequestered himself with the child, resting on top of him and breathing in his mouth to revive his lifeless corpse. The Radak explained that Elisha wanted even this miracle to follow the laws of nature, with his body heat adding warmth after the initial life-giving miraculous breath. Why didn't Elisha revive the child initially? And why did this miracle, so much greater than the first, miracle of Tchiyas HaMason, why didn't this take place in private? Rav Yigal Ariel, in his splendid work, Mikdash Melech, suggests that Elisha's conduct in each incident was tailored toward its recipient. The Medrash in Shmos Rabbah relates that the woman in the first incident was the widow of the prophet Ovadia, who had hidden 100 other prophets and sustained them at great personal cost during periods of drought and famine. To cover expenses, he borrowed money at usurious rates from Yehoram, the son of Achav. Upon Ovadia's death, his wife inherited the death which Yehoram came to collect in the form of child labor. Elisha realized that this woman's plight was not simply financial, but existential as well. Contemplating her misfortune stemming from an act of kindness, Elisha realized that she may be struggling with issues of theodicy. He therefore defied nature publicly to restore her personal dignity and belief in divine providence. Elisha's sensitivity was equally manifest when ministering to the private, self-effacing Isha Hashunamis, the Shunammite woman. Elisha recognized that this woman's humility and intense spirituality meant that she needed privacy and personal space, not preferential treatment. He therefore sent his messenger first, so she would not view herself as a burden to Elisha, and revive the child in privacy, even though doing so publicly would give more glory to God as it accomplished a remarkable Kiddush Hashem. Elisha's sensitivity is a powerful lesson to us all, regardless of our ability or lack thereof to perform miracles. Performing acts of kindness, acts of chesed, 
connects us to the divine, but it is far more important that these acts be performed with a deep respect and understanding of the humanity of the recipient.